welcome back to part two with my interview with James Patrick. All right, so let me um, flip to your current team here. Um, so the Winnipeg Ice, um, you guys are having a great year. You're sitting in second place, right? Um, but what I want to talk to you about is, well, first, how did you wind up? I mean, I know you live there. How did you wind up coaching there? Yeah, it's, uh, I guess, a long story, but coached, um, you know, I got into coaching from, I played with Lindy and then I played for him. My last six years, he was a coach in Buffalo, brought me in as a depth guy. And this was uh, pre-salary cap. Um, this is when the Rangers were spending 90 million and we were spending 20 in, in, in Buffalo. But we had, it, so the fit for me, an older depth guy who didn't make a lot of money, but you know, I, I could still play, but it kind of evolved into Buffalo had to develop players. You know, the small market teams had to do that. And they drafted well and developed. And they had Henrik Callender. And then they had Jay McKee and Rhett Warner and Brian Campbell and Dimitri Kalinin. And all these young D kind of were coming through at that time. And my last, for sure, my last two years, I, you know, I partnered up with either Brian Campbell, Henrik Callender, or, uh, or Dimitri Kalinin. Um, and it just, and I was of the belief that if, if I can make a young player play better, he makes me look better. Um, and I know there was veteran players who felt like that young guy's going to take my job and I'm going to, I'll do anything to sabotage him or stab him in the back, you know, and I saw that, but I just, I said, when I played with Brian Campbell, he could skate. And Brian, we would, every shift we got off the ice, we'd talk about what we could have done. We should have done this or let's try this or like, and, and I'd say, I'd say soup. I'm going to bring the, if I get the puck, I'm bring my guys chasing me. I'm going to bring your guy over, cut, go right behind him, cut up the middle. And I'm going to give me the puck. Uh, like we would, we would talk, play, make plays like that all the time. And uh, he made me look good. I want to ask you, I want to ask you a question to interrupt you. So one of the things like we talk about the little things, right? And this could be youth all the way up to where you're coaching or NHL. Do you encourage your guys in the locker room to kind of sit with their line mates, their partners, um, do you demand it? Do you request it? And how important do you? I think it's huge. I think it's so important to talk with your line, sit with your line, sit on the bench with your line. I don't like it when, uh, you know, the star player goes, sits down at the end and his line mates are in the middle. Uh, that, that really bugs me um, because that's, I mean, that you're watching when you have an incredible view as a player, when you're sitting on the bench and you're over the boards and you see everything, you see it better than the coaches. I mean, as a coach, now I'm behind them and you're, you're, you're trying to fight for a vision. And, and then you're, you're constantly commenting. And I mean, my, a lot of times my players are like coaches, like saying, yeah, yeah, no, we need to do this. This is our system. No, do this, you know, make this play this. So I like the encouragement, but I want them talking about it amongst themselves. Do you have to coach that or are they, are, are they doing that organically? The, the, there are some kids uh, I encourage it. It's hard to coach it. And some kids have it, I think is, is how I'd probably describe it. But I do encourage it. I want, you know, I have talked to, talk to them about talking amongst themselves. And, because but, I'm, fi I'm finding that now because, like, you think about, like, youth sports and what we'll say youth hockey. So you've got – so you start when the kids, they're five, six, whatever. You have parents in the locker room and, you know, they're tying skates and doing, and doing, all, and doing all that kind of stuff, right? Then at some point the parents are out of there and now – you kind of have to teach kids about how you behave in the locker room and, you know, so people aren't getting injured in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. 
And then, then you then you kind of graduate towards uh, the sport itself. Like, what can we do here to kind of make ourselves better? Mm-hmm. And those discussions and, and talking about those things. So it's in between periods, before games, on the bench, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I do think – I think it's a miss in a lot of places. I, I think a lot of times coaches might not be taking as much advantage as they could be, um, both helping their players to understand the value of that and also demanding that – we, we be the best versions of ourselves and, and that's included in those kinds of situations. There's, there's so many teaching moments. Um, um, there's teaching moments like in so many different areas of the day that you, that you forget about. Like even, even in, I mean, we talk about it in morning skate and in um, our, our active warmups before we go on the ice, you know, like that, that, seven minutes there together in active warm-up. Like we, we talked about this year. Okay. Can we do a little bit of core, you know, every second day during our active warm-up? Cause I want my course, the kid's core. It's so important. So, I mean, you can take, I'm just saying that using that as an example of the time, the time that you have, you can make it, make use of it even better. And, and those times in the, in the dressing room are, um, I do think, I mean, I, I know as far as the points that you have going into a game or the points between periods, you can't have too many, you know, I mean, because they, they, they forget and the, the attention span, like it, I mean, it's, it's two things, maybe um, two main, main reminders and points, but, but I do think you can give them, there are encouragement. There are things you can talk, you know, just little, little things you can learn from just being in the dressing room before the game. And, and, you know, you know, you can encourage them, I think in steer them in the right direction about how to behave and how to, how to encourage their teammates, how to talk, you know, and how to push each other. And um, I mean, the, the energy you bring, I mean, each individual player and and coach is responsible for the energy um, they bring and how much that can influence the people around them. There was a good conversation. uh, So I'm no, I'm sure you're familiar. Like the NHL has a a mentor program and um, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, It's free. Um, Anyway, one of the uh, pieces was uh, with Rod Brindamore and I'm trying to think where the other guys were, but the question was uh, when the game's over, do you, you know, do you talk to your team right after the game or don't you? Uh, what do you, what do you do? I do. I do with our team and I know more every NHL coach now is not. And I do feel it's, and I think at that level, it's, um, I think most NHL coaches feel that they'd rather step back and give everyone some time to cool off before they, they revisit or talk about it. And and they don't want to say something that they're, they're going to regret. You know, I, I know that's the big movement in the NHL, but I just feel kids our age still need a little guidance. And, um, and I don't, I mean, I don't, um, I certainly don't go overboard and I, and I, I I do want to um, express that, you know, I'm not, I'm not happy and I don't want to accept losses, you know? And so, you know, I'm, but I'm not, I'm certainly not pointing blame and I'm not going to, uh, um, you know, if there's a little something we can learn from it or is there a message we can take from it? I just try and pass that on quickly. Um, they're going to be asked about it. What's their message to, you know, some of them will have to do a little bit of uh, of an interview after the game and, you know, what's, what are, a lot of times they're repeating what the, you know, what the message the coach gives them is. Mm-hmm. I also feel like um, 
don't know. I, I, I feel like there's opportunities for coaches to coach after the game too. I know some guys on higher levels are doing some of that coaching through the press messages. They want to get to their team and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but I also like, for example, I, I, I learned, uh, I don't know. It was a while back. I picked up something from a guy who said that, you know, he talks to his leaders uh, and he would say, okay, if I say, if I say James, I'm talking to you. If I say Patrick, I'm talking to the team. So they would kind of do this beforehand to say to your, your captains, your leaders, like, listen, sometimes I have to get a message through to our group here. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to filter that through you. So if I, if I call you by your last name, I'm talking to the team. If I call you by your first name, you know, I'm talking yeah. to you. You uh, subscribe to any of that or? Um, that might get a little complicated for me. I, I'd forget who, which guy I'm talking <laughs> to, number one. Um, it made some sense at the time. Yeah, no, and I, I don't disagree with it because I do talk, I do talk to my leadership group. I do talk to my captains um, about. They, I mean, the group I have now is they take care of a lot of stuff in the room themselves, and so I, I'll talk to them about things that I say, you know, I'm not happy with this, and I think this should be addressed by you guys, and so that that does happen, and so I, you know, I think if he has a system that works for him, that might be great, um, but I, I guess I wanted to step back to you. I never, I would never send a message to the paper, to the press that I want to get back to my team that I just don't believe in that. Um, I just, I guess I'm just saying, I, I want to put a somewhat of a spin on the game at the end of the game with some positive look at it. Um, knowing that these kids at a young age are, you know, some of them have to go in front of a microphone and they're not good at, they're not used to it. Most of them. Um, I, I still, I just want to leave them with something. Yeah, and I I think a lot of guys are the same way. I I think uh, from my perspective, I learned to not get into details about the game and just kind of simple messages like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were happy with our effort tonight. Mm -hmm. Anybody injured? Everybody okay? Here's what's going on for tomorrow. Anybody have anything they want to say? That kind of thing. Instead of kind of getting into yeah, uh, you know, the real details of what went right, what went wrong, and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost like for the guys like where they don't want, they don't want players on the professional levels going right into interview rooms. They want a cooling off period. So guys aren't like you were saying before, just kind of control the uh, emotional state. Yeah. But for guys coaching youth, this is the thing now. And this is kind of a lot about what this podcast is about. You, know, you go into a, 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 a 10 new locker room after a game, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they had, you know, too much cotton candy or too much popcorn or whatever. Who the knows? But you say things to a kid, and if you're misguided and you're not like uh, saying things thoughtfully, you could say something to a kid that can either inspire them for the rest of their lives, or you could say something that makes them want to completely stop playing. Mm -hmm. So message there is right: like make sure we're being thoughtful before we go yeah. and, and speak to our audience. There, I think that's, I think that is more important than ever, um, given the state of. I think that maybe the pressures and what kids are going through nowadays. Uh, I just know I've had to deal with uh, mental health issues way more than, than five years ago. And certainly, you know, even my time coaching in the NHL, um, you know, 12 years as an assistant, um, you know, you maybe, I mean, there's a little incident here or there that was, you know, I didn't, I didn't recognize it or didn't see it coming now it is such a big part of what these kids are going through. And um, 
they need they need help a lot of them they need someone an expert someone who knows way more about it than me um and so i think it is that is i want to be so careful you know what i say um at all times um so i, I mean i do have to think twice about and i do there's times i come come down hard on kids but i still i'm telling you to to a man every time i do the next day i'm talking to him and i'm saying hey you know where i was coming from yesterday hey you know, because I expect more from you. I know you can be better. That's all that was about. You know, so I, I mean, um, I, you know, it's, it's had an effect on me. That's for sure. Um, so I want to ask you just, because uh, I know our time's getting short here. Um, I want to ask you about your roster. So you've got, if I have it right, you've got uh, three players who are 16-year-olds on your team. You've got a couple 17-year-olds, and then your oldest guy is 21, right? Uh, well, a 20 year old who just turned 21. Yeah. Okay. So in our league, you're allowed to be 16, uh, and 16 to 20. Um, la last year, Connor Bedard played in our league as a 15 year old. He got special exemption. Mm -hmm. We had a boy who played as a 15 year old last year as well. This Zach Benson, because his season was canceled, he was allowed to play for our team. Um, but yeah, it's, and then it, you've got four NHL drafted, uh, players on your team currently. Currently, we do, yeah. Okay. So here's the question. So, okay, if it was a situation like in high school and you had a uh, – depending on where you're at, but let's say you have a, a ninth grader on a team with a 12th grader. Um, in some cases, you even have – might have an eighth grader depending on where you're playing. Like that. Mm -hmm. So the eighth and eighth graders and ninth graders, their conversation is completely different from the guys in 11th and 12th grade. Mm -hmm. uh, their mental maturity and all those things. So like how, how aware are you of the difference between a 16 and a 21 year old or a 20 year old? And do you do anything in particular to kind of keep up, keep your finger on the pulse of these different dynamics as, as, as the players mature through those age, age groups? We're, I think um, we're, we're extremely tied in, um, you know, myself, my assistants, um, to our players, what they're going through. Um, and, and the best way I can describe it, when I started coaching five years ago, um, I came to this group, you know, we had a new owner, new general manager, new head scout, assistant general manager, head coach, two new assistants, everywhere new. Every, and, but these, we didn't know these players. We didn't draft them. We didn't develop them. And we had, we had some issues. Um, we, we, that year, our first pick, was a kid named Peyton Krebs who was um, an all world kid coming into a team with, I would now, I would look back and say, we had some bad apples, some, you know, guys who I didn't, you know, weren't the best leaders, weren't the best, um, um, you know, pushing the envelope the right way. Weren't, you know, supporting the culture that we wanted to instill there. Um, it took, it, it, it took two years to weed all that out and then uh, to turn this thing around Throughout and through this this young player, by the time he got 17, we named him captain, and at 18 he was all world for us. But the the culture we developed, just it it just because now we got to the kids we got to draft that they're drafted at 14, turning 15. We bring them in for a develop development camp. We bring it in training camp. The next year they come for training camp or development camp training camp. So you you get to have hands-on teaching and, and um, talking and uh, teaching and talking about the, doing things the right way. And 
And then when your leadership group is all on board with that, like once you've now these kids, I've got players on my team that I had at 16 and they're 20 now. And they're the leaders on the team now, but they are such incredible people and they do things the right way. And they know we have 16 year olds and they know how to treat 16 year olds. And they know what they know at team parties, um, no one under the age of 18 is allowed allowed to have a beer. And there's only beer allowed if, if the, the 20 year olds and it's it's once or it's three times a year, maybe uh, approved by the coach. And they they know all the rules. There's no drinking game. There's no, there's no hazing. There's nothing like that stuff is so in the past, but how you, um, then the everyday, everyday treatment of the 16 year olds. Um, it's, we do talk about, it, but I don't even think we have to because of now the, the culture and these kids are brought up. Um, we have school every day. So, um, we have a school advisor. We have a tutors in four of the five days a week. Um, we have a um, school cl a classroom at the rink. It's online learning. So, um, you know, we when our practice ends, uh, um, the kids have time for lunch, and then the school kids are in school from one to three thirty. Um, it's it's done at the rink. So, I mean, we're I'm I'm in the next room to them, but we are um, we're very aware of what they're doing at all times. Um, on the road, we're we're doing everything together. We like we have all meals together. Um, we, our rooming list is, you know, we put a lot of time into who's rooming with who and um, who's, you know, who's looking after each other and who's uh, looking out for each other kind of thing. So um, I, it is, I, I will say this, the only 16 year olds who will be in this league are, they have to be very elite. Um, they have to be able to play in the, at this league. And, and then uh, as far as the coaching on ice, I don't want, you know, usually I don't want my 16 year olds on the ice against other teams, 20 year olds. Like, so you, you even manage that mind you we have a one 16 year old this kid who's so smart he can play against anyone right now he's 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 really good but he's he's so smart he doesn't get hit and he's, he's not even that big but i was worried when i first got him but um was it say you're you're lead, you're leading scorer right i think i was looking at you yeah that's connor right he's what five eight 160 pounds. yeah well we we've got uh, connor mcclennan who's not that big and then matt savoy is probably five nine Savoy's a little heavier. He's probably 185, 190. Those are two leading scorers. Uh, I, I mean, I don't. Even, I mean, Savoy most of the year has been top scorer. Or I think McLennan just passed him. So I just want to ask you a couple quick things because our time went really fast. I knew I knew that it would just talking and yeah. stuff like that, which I love it and I appreciate it. Um, the other week I was uh, working uh, a Ranger event and I was talking to Stefan Matteau and. Steph wrote a book on um, uh, anti-bullying. He was bullied uh, growing up, and we were talking about it and stuff like that. And he said something to me that I'm like, I it floored me. And I said, Well, where where were you getting bullied? And I said, Did you ever consider quitting? And said, Yeah, you know, when I was 15, I almost quit playing hockey. And I said, Oh, you were getting bullied at you know in hockey? He said, Yeah. He goes, You know, I was always one of the youngest guys on the team. So I'm like, Oh my God. Like, so for guys like yourself, uh, you guys were elevated probably most of your lives where you're playing against older guys where you're getting pulled into an environment now where it, it, it in that time in our world, it's like, 
it, it, so it, it was, uh, it's amazing to me now when I'm thinking about it, like how many guys must have went through, because you're a younger guy, you're taking older guys playing time mm -hmm. and you're, in, you're, and you're playing in a time period where, you know, there was a, a lot of mistreatment going on. Yeah. Did, did you, did you experience any of that? And then if so, um, did, did it impact the way you kind of deal with, these situations now where you do have younger guys coming in and in some cases they are taking opportunities from my guys who might be a year or two or three years older. Um, yeah, that's, um, well, I was, um, initiated in, in junior when I played in Prince Albert and, um, uh, what happened to me, I would never want to happen to anyone else. Um, I never from that. I mean, I never, ever, partook in initiating anyone else. I mean, the next year of college, we didn't do it at college at North Dakota. It wasn't done. Uh, it was, uh, with the Rangers, it wasn't near as bad. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, they held you down and shaved you, you know, shaved your body and shaved a bit of your head, hair on your head. But I, um, I never, I had it done to me, but I never would ever do it to someone else. And, and now in our league, there is a zero tolerance policy. Like there is there. I mean, everyone has, Every summer, I have to take about four courses, online courses, you know, respect in sport, racism in sport. Uh, um, oh, there's, I mean, I can't even remember them all, but um, all right. of is that. Like child abuse prevention. Child abuse prevention. Yes, that's right. You have to you, you do your child abuse registry. Yep. Um, so there is, um, unfortunately, there is a lawsuit going on against the Canadian Hockey League, all three junior leagues. Uh, stemming back from like the 2006, 2007. Um, all I can say now is it is so different now. It, it would it would be impossible for any of that to happen. Um, it is, uh, I mean, uh, and even what all all the stuff the players have to go through, they have to take a lot of courses on this uh, the start of the season. But they, with the culture we've established, it it, it I find it hard. But then I I also <laughs> repeat everything you know, in my annual meeting with our leadership group um, on, you know, and they know, they know like this, this will never happen here. This will never happen. This will never happen. You guys know that. And uh, yeah, yes. And I said, I'm telling you because uh, it would make me sick to my stomach if we, you know, if we ever slipped up and, but um, I just feel really good about the, the character of the people, you know, we have in our organization on my team and, and the, the culture that we've been able to build, build here and, um, and then you, the league itself, the league is, is, has been so proactive that that can't happen anymore. I find on the youth levels and high school levels, I find more than ever that leadership does need to be coached. Yes. Do you subscribe to that? Yes, I do. Um, and I'll, I'll just tell you a little, like I'm adamant about, um, we don't have veterans and rookies on my team. And yet, um, you know, we go on long bus trips and the rookies do more of the packing and more, a little more of the unpacking. And we get in meal, we go for meals. And sometimes if it's a self-serve, a buffet style, you know, the veterans go up first. And um, um, I put an end to that quickly. Um, you know, as soon as we sit down, if there's a, a buffet style meal, I'll stand up and I'll just say, hey, I'm going to pick the tables that are going to go up first. And I've already told our veterans, I said, I don't ever want to sit down at a meal on the road and see six veterans at this table and six rookies at this table. It's not going to happen. And so, so already, um, you know, that, that's not the case, but, um, and then I'll, I usually go to the table with all the youngest guys and, uh, you know, and maybe the youngest guy on the team, I'll say, you go up to the front of the line. He goes, no, I'm not, 
I'll say, yeah, right now you go up to the front and you start serving yourself, you know? And so I, I do that to, you know, to break the ice, we have fun with it, but it, you know, and then I'll, before we're going on the road, I'll, I'll just shut out. And I said, and I expect to see everyone packing the bus, everyone. Well, we just had our trade deadline, January 10th, uh, brought in two new players. Um, um, and one of the boys, um, you know, I think he's a good kid and, and he's kind of finding his way, but, um, I can tell already that wasn't the way it was done on the team he came from. Um, so I've already had two meetings with them. Uh, you know, I, and I kind of, you know, you kind of have new guys here and you let, you kind of just sit back and observe them. You know, I have my first talk with him when he joins us, but you know, and I just uh, see kind of how he interacts and then just some of the comments when you're kind of passing by, you hear some of the comments and like, I've heard him call a couple of kids rookies. And, and so I've already called him in and had, you know, had the talk that that's not how we treat guys here. That's, you know, so so even in a little way, that is that is coaching uh, a bit of leadership. But I do I do think my daily message, my interaction with with the older players, my interaction with our daily our meetings, not daily meetings, but we have meetings about once a month on an individual basis where I, I'm talking to how, different players on how they lead on young guys. How are you going to lead on this team? You're a young guy. You don't want to speak up. You're what you put in on the ice and how you you know you stand up for your teammates and you're there and you do everything for them on and off the ice. That's how you can lead right now. So, I mean, there's, there's so many different areas. Um, I'll just say this on, on the road a lot. I'd say uh, uh, every two weeks, every second road trip at some point after a meal, I will make them stand up and we will talk who is their favorite uh, teacher in the high school and why, and what school do you go to? And so they got to stand up and they're, um, you know, and they, they don't like talking in front of their peers and they're a little nervous, but now they've, they've all done it. And, and I have a one-way conversation, a two-way conversation with them. So I'm saying, you know, and there are some kids real nervous. I say, forget about them. You're talking to me, you know, just to get over the hump. So that, that's a bit of, you know, leadership. So they're comfortable talking amongst their peers. So um, I wish I could remember. Um, there was a story about uh, one of the NHL veterans captains who was traded to another team. I don't know if it was Chara. I could be wrong about that, but whoever it was went to the new team. And I guess that team, their their typical routine was they threw all their bags and the equipment guys, you know, made it inconvenient for them. Yeah. And then this player went and carried the bag, threw it on the truck, and everybody else kind of like looked around and said, okay, you know what I mean? Just said nothing. Do you know yes. what I'm talking about? Yes. I haven't heard the story, but I know that I know that story because I know how that happens. And that, that is huge. That goes such a long way. And that's, that's how I want my players to be. That's how I encourage them to be like, and that exact thing, how we pack the bus. I, I mean, I don't even have to remind them because they know that now, like this is what's expected of them. I, I love that. Like, and it's, you know, even with little kids, you're, you're, you're in a middle school, a new kid comes in a building and a kid walks into the cafeteria the first time, you know, that kid goes to six different tables. No one's got a spot for him. And then all of a sudden, someone slides, hey, buddy, slide down. We got a spot for you right here, right here. Like that kid will never forget that. Yeah. Never forget that. So there's so many different things. So a couple of questions to wrap up because you've been more than generous. I have a whole bunch of notes here I never even got to, but um, a couple of quick ones for you. Who was your biggest influence growing up? Like who helped mold you, guide you, and without that person – I can say my parents, but I, you know, I think my dad, I might, you know, just, um, 
I mean, he, it was a you know different generation. It was such a long time ago. My dad didn't come to my practices. He didn't come to my, um, a lot of my games cause he was working, you know, but you know, you know, we would get a ride. There'd be like three kids in the car and you, or you'd get dropped off. But, uh, you know, my dad was all about uh, the only advice he ever gave me playing was about working hard. He never told you know, like he, and we had some parents who never missed a practice, told their, you know, the kids what to do all the time. But he just said, listen, um, you know, after one game, I didn't think you worked hard enough. You, you know, you know, if you want your mom and I to be driving you across town, I expect you to work hard when, you know, we're going to drive 45 minutes a game. But, but I think his presence and then how he just, he carried himself. And, and, you know, as I got older in hockey, his encouragement and um, he wasn't, he was the opposite of an overbearing sports parent. And it, I, I love him for it. And, and yet gave me the opportunity to play and, and, you know, just subtle guidance, I think. So you know how the NHL has these programs now where the, they'll learn to play programs. Yeah. So for about 200 some odd dollars, you can get, you know, 10 weeks of instruction and brand new equipment head to toe. Yeah. Yes. So at one such event, uh, it was like a kickoff event and Mark Stahl was at the event and we got into this conversation about your first set of equipment. And Mark Stahl was like, I didn't get my, I didn't get my first set of new equipment until I was like 18 years old when I was playing at juniors or something like that. He goes, I got all my hand-me-downs from my brothers. I never got, I never got anything new. Is that like that for you too? Hundred percent. I mean, I did get, um, you know, I probably got my first new pair of skates maybe when I was um, 10 because I always got my brother's skates and you know and um, his other equipment uh, up until that time. But so it was 10 or 11 when I got my first own pair of skates. Um, just a different time. Your buddy Gresh had like TV guides, like for his elbow guards. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All, that. All right. Um, last couple. Uh, quick thoughts on sports specialization. I um, I hate it. I know it's it's where it's at. I want kids to play all sports. I just, I still believe in the value of competing in other areas, and you're still learning skills that'll help you in your sport. Um, taking a break from your sport. I think is is good. Um, I just I know that there's now there's so many there's spring hockey, summer hockey, skill camps. It just it never ends, um, and it's I don't know is that what you have to do to be elite now? I don't know. I just still believe that you can still play other sports and you can still be a round, well-rounded athlete. What did you play growing up? Well, I played uh, soccer, baseball, football, uh, hockey. Then in, from grade five on, I also played volleyball. Um, but my, my biggest sport was uh, probably, you know, we played hockey, baseball, you know, like baseball in the summer and hockey in the winter. And then you'd play the school sports. So, okay. Um, I'm not going to say your best teammate ever, but could you just give a quick example of somebody you would think is a, an exemplary teammate um, and why? I had a lot of them. I, I, I really did. Um, I mean, I had, like a guy like Jan Eriksson, who was, I mean, I, I mean, I like guys who just competed and worked and would give the shirt off the back to you and who are as modest as can be. And, you know, I think of a guy like him, I mean, I love Gresh. Gresh was, Gresh was, um, Gresh was a different guy. Like Gresh was, um, he could play the game. I remember, I honestly remember as a young player, I'd, play D with Gresh, I'd pass him the puck, he'd bank up the wall. And I said, don't bank up the wall. Like, I, why is he doing that? 
because he'd make the simple play. He'd make the smart, simple play. I didn't get it when I was 20. Um, but he would play to make just simple play, simple play, simple play, simple play, simple play. But then later in the game when he wanted to do something different, it was like he had lulled the other team into that. Then he would, you know, fake that, beat, beat a guy, kick it to the wing, jump up. Like he, he th thought the game, as far as playing, but standing up for his teammates, being going out with the guys, being one of the guys, um, not he, – he always had fun at the rink, but he never, he never hurt guys or put them down like some veterans did back then. I, you know, so I think of that. I think of um, Gary Roberts, Ron Stern in Calgary, incredible guys, motivated, push guys, but you know, would stand up for guys, would you know, welcome new guys to the team. So I, ah, just There's a lot of guys out there. Yeah, there is. It really is. I was lucky to play with a lot of them. So just, I was going to ask you, but I had asked you this in our uh, pre-chat, what your favorite book was, so just to show you I'm coachable. Have you started? I did. I, I'm on I just chapter two. It did, it did have a big influence on me near the end of my career because um, it really, um, it really changed the message I put in my head as an older player, you know, thinking I was slowing down and my confidence was waning. And then I, you know, oh, oh, Yager's on the ice. Jeez, oh my God, Yager's on the ice. Yager's on the ice. You know, I probably would repeat it to myself. And and all I did was wear myself out. And and when I, after reading that book, it was like, I, I could do a thousand one-on-ones and he'll never beat me. I could skate as fast backwards as he can forward. I mean, fuck, I can play against that guy in my sleep. Like that's, I changed the demo in my head, but it, it physically made a difference to how I played the game. As far as a scared tentative backing up player to you know, someone aggressive and, and playing the game the right way. So that book was big. I just read um, um, Ken Dryden's book, Scotty. So it's the last book I read. It it was my childhood, um, you know, when I was um, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, watching the Canadians when Bowman coached the Canadians. Um, but being aware of hockey in the 60s to, you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000. And so this book is Scotty's encyclopedia memory of, all the great teams from the last uh, 70 years and, and to hear him talk about them in their prime. It was, I just, it, this book blew me away. If you're an NHL fan, the history of the NHL, it was, it was pretty special. So uh, that was Ken Dryden, right? Yeah. Ken Dryden. And then uh, I know we're just audio. So for people who want to know the book we're talking about, uh, James had recommended what to say when you talk to yourself, um by shad helmstetter and um, i just started it so i'm looking forward to that and um so the last i think the last question i have for you is best advice anybody ever gave you um that's a, that is a tough one i'm i'm walking because i'm plugging my computer and it's just about to die here um i think the best uh, all i could say is be yourself um especially um when I did uh, become a captain or an assistant captain in, in the NHL, I mean, uh, it was just be yourself. Uh, don't try and be someone else. Don't try and be someone you're not. Like who you are is is good, and you know, be proud of that and and cherish that. But you know, do what you you bring well and and lead. You know, lead that way. I, I remember. You know, I remember uh, even Roger mentioned that to me. You know that that type of advice. I've I'd heard that a number of times, but um, 
at a time when, um, you know, I, I wanted to improve as a player and I wanted to get better and I wanted to keep working hard, but you still have to be yourself. And uh, I'm, I remember Roger talking to me about, don't try and be someone else, be, be who you are. I think that helped me at that time. And um, any quick tips for our youth coaches and parents out there? The biggest thing for me as youth coaches, I, I do think is teach, do everything you can to teach. Um, and I think it's important to try and plan a good practice where you're, you're not doing the same drills all the time. Um, you know, so if you could, you, if you can have a little bright, like if you do a drill that lasts about seven minutes and then go to another drill and another drill, cause I, I do hear some, I've heard, you know, some coaches will do the same drill for 20 to 30 minutes. And it obviously it can, I just think that can get real boring on a, for players, but I, I think try and take advantage of every chance you can to teach the kids uh, when you see, you know, if whatever, how you want the game played and not to get too complicated and, and they, it can be teaching about like back up your partner, you know, or, you know, re, you know, you know, give yourself an option. If you're going to pass one way, you know, look to the middle and pass it that way. There's so many little areas of advice you can give. And I don't think you have to stop the drill or stop the practice. Um, all the time, but you can find a way to just send that message to your players that to show that you're teaching them, whether they're, you know, they're coming in back into the line and maybe you were an assistant coach grabbing them saying, yeah, you know, do it this way and do it this way. And, or on the bench, can you just grab the board? I, I mean, I just think that's kids. They, they, they're starving to be taught. They like to be taught and you're showing like you're trying to make your team better. And, and I, I think they appreciate that. I think parents appreciate it. I, I do think for parents, um, it's hard being a coach and it's, it's, I mean, just respect the time and everything that coaches put into it at the minor level. Most, the majority of them are not being paid and they're doing it for the love of the game and they're, they're volunteering. They're trying their best. Just keep that in mind as a parent. All right. All right. So I, I know we went over time, so we want to thank uh, James for jumping in with us tonight and uh, you know, great chat. I mean, there's so many other things, uh, want to get to but um next time we'll get uh, mr laidlaw and uh, there's a few other things we'll jump into but i really appreciate it and um you know we wish you the best of luck too uh as you finish up your season here at the ice you guys are doing fantastic and and keep up the good work and we wish you wish you all the best okay thank you gary it's, it's been pleasure and uh yeah i hope uh i hope it's enjoyable for some coaches out there and uh so i hope someone can get something out of it but no it's been my pleasure and i wish you guys all the best too